breeze. Buck Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to the April 20th, 1952 presentation of the Jack Benny Show. Tonight's show, Jack spends his time with some pilots over in San Diego, and he hasn't entertained the troops too much in the 50s, at this point, 1952. He did it a lot in the 40s. But uh, this makes this episode kind of a special, kind of feels like a throwback episode to what Jack was doing five years earlier, five, six, seven years earlier. Anyway, uh, tonight's episode, I, I want to talk about the beginning of it because I've been wanting to talk about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. As you've noticed, the beginning ad in the front of all the 1952 episodes of recent vintage have been focusing on your taxes that you pay on a pack of cigarettes and that you pay a 50% tax on cigarettes back at the time, which was a lot. And I've never heard a company come out there so much and like halfway blame the government for for things that are going on, saying, don't blame us because our prices are so high. Blame them. You know, it, it's an interesting way to say it. But when we re- when taxes are raised, of course, on like cigarettes, alcohol, that sort of thing, it's called a sin tax. And the sin tax is basically to discourage people from doing what is considered socially, economically, whatever, bad for the country. They say that the amount of taxes that they pay on cigarettes over the course of years have gone up and up and up, of course, but that it uh, does not cover the cost of what folks who smoke all their lives end up at the end of their lives costing by going to emergency rooms and so forth with um, various problems that come up with from smoking. I don't know how true that all is or not true, but I just know I've heard that and read that different places. Um... I just think it's interesting to bring up at this point, I didn't realize that sin taxes were happening this early. I thought they they came later, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know when the first one started. That'd be interesting to find out. kind of went and looked up sin tax on Wikipedia, at least, and on Wikipedia it just talks about how uh, the taxes work and things, but it doesn't really say how they got started and when they got started and that sort of thing. Anyway, following following this episode, you're going to have a chance to spend some time, of course, with Phil Harris from, again, the same day, uh, the 20th of April, 1952. And Phil has a a problem because um, Alice, apparently her old boyfriend, is back in town, so we'll have to see how that plays out. And then we jump back 10 years, of course, to 1942, and our 1942 episode, I gave it a, a nice little sound upgrade this year that I think you'll like. And I'll be introducing that uh, when it pops up. So I hope you enjoy all three of these great episodes. And tune in next week as we present uh, one of my absolute favorite Jack Benny episodes of all time with Jimmy Stewart making an appearance. And I think instead of Thursday, we're probably going to be presenting it on Tuesday. And I'll explain to you why I'm switching the day just for that week. Um, because it ties into our Gunsmoke Western week, and so you'll have to see how that goes. Anyway, without further ado, here is Jack, Phil, and the gang. Lucky Strike presents the Jack Benny Program. 
But first, here's an important message from the National Tobacco Tax Research Council. Everyone likes to talk about the high taxes he pays. But you cigarette smokers have a right to do some special fancy talking yourself. Because you cigarette smokers give nearly $2 billion a year in cigarette taxes. Every time you buy cigarettes, you give your federal government eight cents a pack. And most of you give three or four cents more to city and state governments. That adds up to better than a 50% tax on every cigarette you smoke. Yes, in buying cigarettes, over half your packs go for tax. And now the Jack Benny program, transcribed, presented by Lucky Strike. Do you do that, do that, do that, do you do that, do that, it be happy, go lucky, be happy, get better taste, be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, tear and compare. See for yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be sure not to loosen or dig into the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with a lucky strike. Then compare. Some cigarettes are too loosely packed. Some even fall apart. But look at that lucky. See how it stays together, a perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco. Now, what does this mean to you as a smoker? It means exactly this. Because your lucky is so round and firm and fully packed, you avoid annoying loose ends that spoil the taste, hot spots that burn harsh and dry. Because your lucky has long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco, it burns evenly, smokes smooth and mild. Yes, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton Lucky Strike. Broadcasting from the Naval Air Station in San Diego, the Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, since we're doing our program at the Naval Air Station in San Diego, I bring you the star of our show, a sailor who was in the First World War and still has a toupee with a crew haircut, Jack Benny! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, I'll ignore that attempted humor, but you're right. During the First World War, I was a sailor stationed at Great Lakes, Illinois. And you want to know something? What? Before we leave here, I'm going over to the recruiting office and try to enlist again. Oh, Jack, they won't take you. What'd you say, Don? They won't take you. I know, but where else can you get a physical for nothing? <laughs> anyway, Don, it certainly is a thrill being here at a naval air station. You know, they have so many different types of planes here. Banshees, Sky Raiders, Corsairs. And, Don, did you notice those huge Navy planes landing right on the water? Oh, yes, Jack, but I was puzzled about those big things on the bottom where the wheels should be. What are they? Oh, Don, those are pontoons. You see, they keep you afloat in the water. 
Pontoons? Yes, Don. Those are the same things that automobiles use in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) Which reminds me, Don, I have to be in Los Angeles 30 seconds after this program goes off the air. That's when I do my television show. But, Jack, how can you make it from here to Los Angeles in 30 seconds? Don, I'm going to use the quickest moving thing known to science. Oh, are you taking one of those jet planes? No, I'm going to go piggyback on a sailor with a 12-hour pass. (laughs) That's why I brought my spurs. (laughs) Anyway, oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Well, Mary, how do you like doing a show from the San Diego Naval Air Station? Oh, it's fine, Jack. But you want to know something? I think the boys here are a little too playful. What do you mean? Well, when I was coming over here, one of the pilots grabbed my hat as a souvenir. Grabbed your hat? Well, why didn't you grab it back? I couldn't. He was in an (laughs) F-9F. Really? How do you know so much about these boys? Well, when we got here yesterday, one of the pilots took me in his airplane. And after 20 minutes, he said, All right, honey, either kiss me or get out. No. So, naturally, I kissed him. Well, Mary, I don't blame you. You wouldn't want to jump out of a plane 10,000 feet in the air. What are you talking about? It wasn't off the ground yet. Then getting you into the plane was just a trick to kiss you, huh? Yes, but then Captain Erdman warned me. He warned you? He said if I see any guy around here with puckered lips and he isn't carrying a bugle, watch out. <laughs> well, that explains it. This morning, the whole uh, base looked like Guy Lombardo's brass section here. <laughs> and Jack, what? this pilot who took me up wants to impress me and show me how sophisticated he is. Uh-huh. So tonight he's going to take me to a club called La Cantina. Oh. <laughs> Oh, the La Cantina. Yeah, that's Spanish for butter your elbows and we can squeeze five more in. (laughs) Oh, is it that crowded? Crowded. A seaman walked in there one night and came out wearing an ensign for a hat. (laughs) Mary, I think you're making this whole thing up. Every time we come to a... Come in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh! Dennis, how come you're late? Where were you? Well, I'd have been here earlier, Jackson, but I stopped off at a bar. You gotta live, bub, live. Jackson, bar, bub? Oh, boy, am I dizzy. Dennis, do you mean to say they served you a drink? No, they said I was too young, so they just spun me around on a stool. <laughs> what? Hey, Don, have you got an Alka-Seltzer? Dennis, what's the matter with you? All they did was spin you around on a stool. Yeah, but they held my head in one place. <laughs> All right, I heard enough of that silly talk. Now, let's have your song. Will you? Any 
Anytime sung by Dennis Day. Very good, Dennis. Thanks, Mr. Benny. I try to sing extra well for these boys because, you know, I used to be in the Navy, too. I spent two years in the South Pacific. I know you did, Dennis. And, you know, I was in the South Pacific, and, brother, I ran into some pretty rough seas. So did I. Were you ever tossed overboard? Yeah, but the captain made the fellas cut it out. <laughs> Dennis, the boys kept throwing you overboard? That's terrible. Oh, it was all right. The fish kept throwing me back. <laughs> Say, Dennis, when you first joined the Navy, how did they know how to classify you? How did they know what rank to give you? Oh, that was easy, Mary. <laughs> you see, first I had to fill out a lot of forms, answer a lot of questions, and then for two whole days they gave me a written test. For two days? Hey, that must have been quite a test. Yeah, and after it was over, they made me an ensign. An ensign, huh? Yeah. I wonder what they'd have made me if I passed. <laughs> Dennis, let's go back to the part where they were throwing you overboard, you know? I like that better. Sometimes you say Okay, that... fellas, here's Harris the Star, so tear up your passes and stay where you are. Oh, for heaven's sakes, Phil, what you won't do to get a reception. What a ham. Well, I gotta do something when we travel around. You're the only one that gets all the big reception. Look what happened yesterday when we arrived here. Who took all the bonds? You did. I didn't get no welcome at all. What are you talking about? After I signed all the autographs, I sent everyone over to get your autograph, too. You did that just to show off. You know I can't write. <laughs> Well, Phil, I really forgot that you couldn't write. I didn't mean to embarrass you. Oh, you didn't, eh? Then why did you hide my rubber stamp? (laughs) 
Because I thought you were going too far when you stamped your name on Admiral Baker's forehead. That's all. <laughs> so embarrassed. Wait a minute. Another thing, Jackson. I know that trick you played on me last year. What trick? You switched rubber stamps on me, and for the next three weeks, I was signing my name, Fragile. Listen up. <laughs> what? Mary told me. Mary told me. Well, I knew nobody in your band could tell you, because they can't read either. <laughs> now, you see, there you go again, always picking on my band. Hey, Liv. Liv. Tell Jack to lay off of me. Phil's right, Jack. His boys may not be great musicians, but at least they're gentlemen. Mary, just because they tip their hats when they pass a pool room doesn't mean they're gentlemen. (laughs) Now, let's forget. No, I'm not forgetting it, Jackson. My boys don't like that stuff. They're sensitive. Yes, Jack. uh, The things you said about them at rehearsal made them cry. Well, Mary, that doesn't mean they're sensitive. They'd, they'd cry at the drop of a bottle. <laughs> Only if it breaks. <laughs> Stop copying me. Phil, do me a favor, will you? Come in. Hello, Mr. Bingy. Well, Mr. Ketchum. Mr. Kessel, what are you doing here at the San Diego Naval Air Station? Well, I got a nephew stationed here. Oh, I didn't know that you had a nephew in the Navy. Of course I have. In fact, during the last war, he was stationed in Oahu. Oh, oh, Honolulu, Oahu? No, Cleveland, Oahu. Oh, Cleveland, Cleveland. Mr. Kitzel, I didn't know your nephew was stationed here. Uh, what rank is he? He's a seaman second hand. <laughs> uh, you mean seaman second class? No, second hand. They threw him out and took him back again. <laughs> why? Why, why did they throw him out? Well, he used to be the base barber, and one day he gave the admiral a poodle haircut. Well, no wonder they threw him out. Tell me, Mr. Kitzel, are you having a good time in San Diego? Ooh, ooh, a good time. Last night, my wife and I went to Tijuana, and we had... That's a fact. We went to Tijuana, and we had a real Mexican dinner. Oh, you went to Tijuana, huh? Yeah, and all the natives are so polite there. <laughs> you know, Mr. Benny, all day long they kept calling me Monsieur Kitzel. Monsieur Kitzel? Yeah, yeah, that's what they called me. But in Mexico, it's Senor. I knew, but with my accent, they thought I was French. <laughs> Well, it was nice seeing you, Mr. Kitzel. Goodbye. Au revoir, Mr. Bienny. Well, it certainly was a surprise running into Mr. Kitzel down here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, since tonight we are broadcasting from the San Diego Naval Air Station, a base that services our aircraft carriers, for our feature attraction tonight... Oh, Jack! Huh? Jack! 
Jack, before you go into the sketch, don't you think the Sportsman Quartet should do the commercial? Oh, yes, down the commercial. Certainly. Let's have it, fellas. Come on. There's something about a sailor, something about a sailor, something about a sailor that is fine, fine, fine. He may be an aviator, he may be a navigator, he may be a hungry airman in a long chow line. But there's something about his bearing, something in what he's wearing, Something about his shoes, the way they shine, shine, shine. Oh, a tattooed sailor's chest seems to suit the ladies best. There's something about a sailor that is fine, fine, fine. There's something about a lucky, something about a lucky, something about a lucky that is fine, fine, fine. There's no way that you can measure the deep down smoking pleasure you get from a good old lucky every time, time, time. If it's on a cruise you're starting, you better buy a carton. You'll want your lucky strikes from rain or shine, shine, shine. Oh, it's LSMFT, only lucky strike for me. There's something about a lucky that is fine, fine, That was very good, boys, very good. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction, tonight we are presenting a dramatic sketch of the sea called All Hands on Deck or Load the Guns with Tabasco Sauce, Here Comes the Shrimp Boat. <laughs> That's the silliest thing I'll say tonight. Now, Mary... Mary, there are only men on this ship, so there's no part in the play for you. But, Jack, I want to be in it. I can't help it, Mary. There's no part for you. You let me be in it, or I'll tell all these fellas that when you were in the Navy, you saluted a barber pole because it had stripes on it. <laughs> I didn't salute. I just said hello. <laughs> now, let's get back to the play. As a scene... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jack. Jack, you said you'd check the technical terms we use in the sketch to make sure that we're correct. Did you do it? Oh, my goodness, I forgot. Well, you better check on it, Jackson. The last time we did a Navy sketch, your writers called the commander Warden. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'll check everything right now. I'll call up one of these ensigns. Oh, fellow, fellow, you in the first row, would you come up here, please? Thank you. I'll ask him, Don. He can tell us whether we're right or wrong. Oh, ensign, tell me... Uh, is the flat service on a carrier where the planes take off called a flight deck? I don't know. <laughs> oh. oh, well. <laughs> well, is the thing... Is the thing that the guns stick out of on a battleship called a turret? I don't know. Well, is the front part of a ship called a bow? I didn't know. <laughs> well, for heaven's sake, a fine sailor you are. How'd you ever get in the Navy anyway? I was recommended by the Marines. <laughs> oh, get out of here, will you? Now, we'll just... We'll just have to do our sketch without any help. Okay, Phil, music.
As the scene opens, I, Captain McBenny, commanding officer of an aircraft carrier, am standing on the bridge of my ship, the USS Ulysses S. Sassafras. Wipe your chin. Quiet. We're on the high seas, knifing silently through the night toward our secret destination. Captain McBenny? What is it, Ensign Harris? We've been at sea 24 hours now, and it's time to open our sealed orders. Here they are, sir. Good. I'll open them. Hmm. It's from Vice Admiral Sprague. Is it important? Yes, men. This is it. We're going all the way across. What does it say? Load supplies and head for Catalina. Men, we haven't much time. Let's send the planes up for a reconnaissance. Ready planes for reconnaissance. Gee, those propellers sure stir up the wind. You ain't kidding. Your hair just went A-W-O-L. <laughs> Never mind. Plane number seven, now taking off for reconnaissance. Taking off for tactical maneuvers. Plane number five taking off for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. <laughs> Anaheim and Azusa and Cucamonga. We haven't been at war with them for years. Captain McBenny. Yes, Ensign McDay. I would like to report the position of the USS Ulysses S. Sassafras. Good, good. Wipe your chin. What's our longitude? 62 degrees south. Our latitude? 48 degrees. Would you like to know the altitude? <laughs> altitude? What do you mean, altitude? You know that last plane that took off? Yes. We're still tied to it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where are we now? 3,000 feet over Tijuana. <laughs> Tijuana? I think... <laughs> 3,000 feet? I ain't been this high since last night at Sherman. <laughs> Stop reminiscing. And Anson McDay. Yes, Captain McBenny? I got a report that you disobeyed my orders. Last night you went swimming. It wasn't my fault, sir. What do you mean? I took a walk around the deck and this ship isn't as long as I thought it was. Oh. Now look, men... The good ship, USS Ulysses S. Sassafras... Wipe your chin. ...is out of... ...is out of operational maneuvers. We are now entering a blackout zone, so turn out all the lights. Why, can the enemy see us? No, but the audience can. Oh. How did that wave get on deck? What are you doing here? I was assigned here, sir, by the Navy Department. Assigned here? Yes. What's your rank? Manicurist, first class. <laughs> Manicurist. Good. There will be no hangnails on the USS Ulysses S. Sassafras. Swab your lip. Thank you. Now, men, man your battle stations and prepare for... Who can that be? Oh, I'll get her. Hello? Hello, Miss Livingston. This is Rochester. Sake, Rochester. Why call now? We're in the middle of the sketch. I want Mr. Benny to know I'm in San Diego. I just got in. 
just got in. I thought you drove down with Mr. Benny in the car. No, I had some work to do, so I left yesterday. Well, well, what made the train so late? I didn't come by train. I was on Highway 101 freelancing. <laughs> you, you mean you hitchhiked? Yes, ma'am. Why? Well, instead of buying me a train ticket, Mr. Benny gave me a road map and a short talk on the generosity of the American motorist. <laughs> Who is it, Wave? Rochester. How do you like that? Right in the middle of the sketch. Give me that phone. Hello, Rochester. Oh, boss. It wasn't so bad hitchhiking, and you were right. I was right about what? If you lie down in the middle of the highway, nine out of ten cars will stop. <laughs> Certainly. But when that tenth car comes along, it better have a high crank case. <laughs> Well, look, Rochester, you didn't have to call me in the middle of my show, did you? Yes, boss, this is important. I met an old girlfriend here in San Diego, and, uh, I thought, uh, well, I thought maybe you'd let me use your car. Well, you met a girlfriend, huh? Well, Rochester, of course you can have my car, but the tank is empty. Now, that's all right. I'll put in the gallon. Why only a gallon? I want to run out of gas when I reach the Silver Strand. <laughs> Well, I don't know, Roger. I don't think I should let you have my car. But you got to. This girl is beautiful. She is, eh? What does she look like? You, you want me to describe her to you? Yes. Have you ever seen a California sunset just as Mother Nature extinguishes its last golden glow with the tranquil waters of the blue Pacific? Yes. Well, put a sweater on it and you've got it. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, I better run along now. So long, boys. Goodbye, Rochester. Goodbye. Oh, say, boys. What? Aren't you doing a television show tonight? Yes, Rochester, in just a few minutes. On the entire CBS television network? Yes, on the entire CBS television network. And are your guest stars going to be Isaac Stern and Dennis Day? That's right. You mention everything, don't you? <laughs> what are you laughing at? I may be a lousy butler, but I'm a great publicity man. <laughs> Certainly are, Rochester. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jack will be back in just a moment. But first. Do you do da do da do da do you do da do da? Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, you can tear and compare and see with your own eyes how luckies are made better to taste better. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be sure not to loosen or dig into the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with the Lucky Strike. Then compare. You'll see some cigarettes are so loosely packed they fall apart. Others have air spaces, hot spots that burn harsh and dry. But you won't find that in a Lucky Look at that perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco, so free of annoying loose ends that spoil the taste. Notice those long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco, so firmly packed to smoke smooth and even, giving you a milder, better-tasting cigarette. Yes, friends, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, go lucky strike today. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Vice Admiral Thomas L. Sprague, Commander of the Air Force Pacific Fleet, Captain William L. Erdman, Commanding Officer of the Naval Air Station, and Lieutenant Harold C. Boudreau, Special Service Officer, for inviting us down here. And fellas, I want to thank you, too, and tell you it's been wonderful being here. You've been a great audience, and... Come in. Yes, what is it, sailor? I'm ready to take you to your television show, Mr. Benny. Fine. I got my pass. Just jump on my back and let's go. <laughs> well, good, good. So long, kids. I'll see you on television in just a minute. The Jack Benny program was transcribed. This is the CBS Radio Network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Bill Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Phil has never been a jealous husband, believing that Alice's life only began when she met him. Today, a surprising bit of Alice's past comes to light. More about that later, but first, this word from RCA Victor. The most important difference between one radio and another is the way it sounds. It's the tone that really counts. And that's why you should choose an RCA Victor radio, because there's nothing to compare with RCA Victor's golden throat tone system. Music is brought to you virtually free of distortion. From the deep low notes of a cello to the sharp highs of a flute, music fairly floats from the golden throat. So if you want brilliant tones and beautiful music, you'll want an RCA Victor radio like the Blaine, for example. The Blaine is RCA Victor's lowest price table radio with the golden throat. It's inexpensive, superbly styled, and the Blaine comes in seven smart decorator colors to fit any color scheme. So visit your RCA Victor dealer tomorrow and get this dramatic new table model, the RCA Victor Blaine. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. This morning, Alice had an unexpected phone call. An old boyfriend of hers came into town and phoned her. However, Alice was at rehearsal with Phil, and William took the message. Oh, Alice, I could hardly wait for you to get home. Guess who called while you were out? George Henderson. George Henderson? Oh, no, not George Henderson. Willie, are you sure it was George Henderson? That's who he said it was, George Henderson. Well, now that we got the name set, um, <laughs> may I ask a question? What? Just who is this Sam Mankiewicz? <laughs> Stop kidding. George is an old boyfriend of mine. He was my first love. Didn't I ever tell you about Georgie Porgy? Not that I remember. Georgie Porgy. <laughs> That's what I used to call him. Oh, gosh, he was so cute. 
And he called me Alicey Wallacey. Uh-huh. How'd you two ever manage to grow up without getting shot at? <laughs> Just who is the guy? Well, I told you, he's an old boyfriend of mine. I used to go out with him when I was 16. You never told me about this Henderson guy. No, I did, too. I mentioned him several times. I used to tell you about going out with George. Don't you remember? Yeah, but I thought you meant George Arliss. <laughs> oh, now, don't be catty. George Henderson was young and extremely good-looking. In fact, he's the best-looking man I've ever seen. How long have you had bad eyes, kid? <laughs> You married the best-looking man you've ever seen Oh, Phil, stop being conceited I ain't conceited I just happen to have everything Everything? Yeah I'm lovely to look at Delightful to hold And having to kiss <laughs> A combination like this is something you never thought that you would see Imagine getting a dream like me <laughs> look all right, all right. Let me hold that note a little longer <laughs> Say, Willie Willie, what's George doing in town? Well, he's here on business He's staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel And he said he'd like to see you So I, I invited him over Oh, Willie, you shouldn't have done that Why not? Oh, I'm no longer interested in him, Phil When I married you, I put all other men out of my mind <laughs> I don't even remember what George looked like You don't? No Except that he had blue eyes that twinkled when he laughed A dimple in his left cheek when he smiled Blonde wavy hair parted on the right side And he was six feet one and three quarters inches in his shoes Which was size nine and a half B How do you like that? She even cased his feet <laughs> Look, Alice, there's just one more thing I'd like to know about this man that you can't remember. Was his liver in good condition? <laughs> I don't recall, but if you're really interested, I'll go up and get his x-ray pictures out of my hope chest. It won't take... Never mind! <laughs> no, Bill, on second thought, I think I will have George over for old time's sake. I'd like to have you meet him. Well, I don't want to meet him. And I ain't having no old boyfriends coming over here trying to steal you. Oh, Phil, don't be silly. I'll admit George is impetuous, but... <gasps> I'll bet that's George now. Oh, it is, huh? Well, you wait here. I'll take care of him. I'll show this guy he can't come over here and take Alice away from me. Beat it! I know why you're here. You're in love with my wife and you're trying to steal her. That's only partly true, <laughs> I don't really love her. I'm just after her money. <laughs> All right, Bradley, just forget about it. I thought it was somebody else. Whom were you expecting? Alice's boyfriend Which one? <laughs> hey, Remley hmm? Let me ask you something Now concentrate for a minute When I'm away Do you ever see a boyfriend of Alice's Hanging around the house? What does this guy look like? Well, he wears a nine and a half shoe And he has his x-ray pictures In my wife's hope chest <laughs> No, I haven't seen Marvin around lately <laughs> But I've seen the other guy what other guy? The one that wears a six and seven-eighths derby and keeps his beard in your wife's bureau. <laughs> really? Hmm? I'll stop if you will. Okay. Now tell me, what are you talking about? No, on the level. Now, there's an old boyfriend of Alice's in town and she wants him over for dinner and I don't. And I got to think of some way to discourage Alice. 
Why? Because she raved about the guy. She said he was one of the handsomest men she ever saw when she was young. Well, that was ages ago. <laughs> this guy must be a hundred years old by now. <laughs> hey, you know something you're right? I never thought of that. Not about it. <laughs> the best way to discourage Alice is to have him over here. She remembers him as he used to be. Today, he's probably an old, bald-headed guy with a paunch and whiskers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then when she sees him wheeling them in, she'll appreciate what she got. <laughs> what she got? <laughs> She's got me. But you know something, Remley, you're right. I'm going to let him come over, and then when Alice sees this broken-down character, I'll have nothing to worry about. That's right. Hey, I'm going to tell Alice I changed my mind. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Hey, Alice! Hey, honey, come in a minute. You sure the guy's old, huh, Remley? He's got to be. Yeah. Did you call me, Oh, yeah. Look, Alice, uh, I've changed my mind, uh, uh -huh. honey. If, well, if it'll make you happy to see your old boyfriend, then by all means, you should see your old boyfriend. Well, that's very considerate of you, dear, but aren't you afraid that, well, we might pick up where we left off? No, I ain't the least bit. Where'd you leave off? <laughs> I was madly in love with him. Then so why don't you marry him? Oh, we were too young. And I'm glad I didn't because later on my true love came along. One night I walked into a nightclub and there on the bandstand stood a curly-headed band leader. He was handsome, sophisticated, and charming. <laughs> I fell madly in love with him and I married him. I didn't know you were ever married to Rudy Valley. <laughs> She's talking about me. Ain't you? <laughs> oh, of course I am, honey. You're the only man I ever think about. And... Oh, that must be George now. I I'm going upstairs and powder my nose and comb my hair and change my dress. I can't let him see me like this. You let him in, Phil. She's certainly anxious to see her old boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she in for a surprise. Yeah. Hey, tell me again. What's he going to look like, really? He'll be bald and paunchy with heavy jowls and bags under his eyes. Oh, poor Alice. <laughs> Wait till she sees this Rip Van Winkle. I'll let him in. Come on in, Rip. I beg your pardon. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was expecting someone else tonight. Hey. Ain't you Van Johnson? No, no, people are always mistaking me for him. Uh, my name is George Henderson. Tilt! <laughs> Handsome, ain't he, Curly? Remley, I'm gonna kill you. This guy looks like a Greek god. I gotta keep Alice from seeing him. Uh, does Alice Faye live here? Who? <laughs> Alice Faye. Ever heard of her? <laughs> Rumley, you know anybody by the name of Alice Faye? Faye? Yeah, Faye. Faye. <laughs> Sounds vaguely familiar. Wasn't there an old movie star by that name? <laughs> I wouldn't know. She must have been before my time. <laughs> well, I, I guess I made a mistake. I'm sorry to trouble you, and I'd see... George Henderson? Wait a minute. Who was that? It sounded like Alice. Oh, no, no. That, uh, that was my parrot you heard. 
Your parrot says, is that George Henderson? Yeah. <laughs> Strangest thing about that bird. He never did learn to say Polly wants a cracker. All he ever says is, is that George Henderson? <laughs> Very unusual bird. Bill, Bill, will you please come up here and help hook me up? Well, who was that? His parrot. <laughs> She's having trouble getting into her corset. <laughs> His parrot wears a corset? Yeah, yeah. See, we're fattening her up for Thanksgiving. We're too poor for a turkey. Shirley, I think you've gone about as far as you can go. Mister, that was Alice's voice. I recognize it. Now, look, may I come in? Yeah, all right, buddy, all right. Step right in here. Go ahead. Go, go on in there in the living room. Thank you. So the guy's changed, huh, Remley? If Alice ever sees this Adonis, I'm dead. Curling? Maybe he hasn't changed, but, um, Alice has. What do you mean? He hasn't seen her yet, and if we discourage him enough, he wouldn't want to see her. Yeah. Yeah, that ought to work. <laughs> Hold it a minute. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Henderson, are you sure you want to see Alice? Well, of course I'm sure. I'm very anxious to see her. You know, I haven't seen her for quite a few years. Ah, oh, she certainly was a beautiful girl. Was, yes. <laughs> Is, no. <laughs> you see, she's changed. Changed? Well, in what way? Oh, it, it's difficult to describe. Poor creature. <laughs> for your own sake, mister, I don't think you ought to see her. But I want to see her. I, I insist. Very well. That'll be 40 cents, please. <laughs> 40 cents uh, for what? You don't think we show the thing for nothing, do you? <laughs> Five minutes, it'll be feeding time. Rambling. <laughs> Pay no attention to him, George. Alice hasn't changed that much. Well, I didn't think she would. She always had a gorgeous figure. Tell me, uh, does she still have it? Oh, yes, yes. Of course, it's hard to see under all those layers of fat. <laughs> but I imagine it's still there. Alice got fat? Well, is it noticeable? Oh, only when she tries to come down the stairs. <laughs> she keeps getting wedged in between the banister and the wall. <laughs> she gets wedged between the banister and the wall? Well, not if I remember to butter her hips. <laughs> well, uh, uh, look... Uh... Maybe I'd better run, run along. I'm a little late. Yeah, you and... run along, and I'll tell Fat so you couldn't wait. <laughs> I'll tell oh, her. Here that... I am, George. Alice. Oh. Alice, you shouldn't come down without your fat on. <laughs> you catch cold. What's that? Yes, that's what I'd like to know. Alice, your figure hasn't changed a bit. Oh, you're just as beautiful as you ever were. Oh, George. You know you haven't changed either. You're just as handsome as you ever were. <coughs> I've never forgotten you, Alice. And I've never forgotten you either, George. 
<clears throat> we were so much in love, Alice. Yes. Yes, we were. Did you ever get married, George? No, I didn't. Did you ever get married, Alice? No, I didn't. Ow! I forgot. What do you mean you forgot? Alice, tell that guy who I am. Well, certainly. George, I want you to meet my husband. Alice, this is your husband? <laughs> George, please don't look at me like that. Well, why did you marry him? I couldn't help myself. It was during the war and there was a shortage of everything. I had to take what All I right. Alice, it's remarkable how the years haven't changed you at all. Why, you're the same girl I used to take out and go to dances with. Do you remember those dances? Oh, how could I forget? We used to dance and you'd sing to me. Hey, could we do that now just for old time's sake? Oh, I'd be glad Hold to. Hold it, Buster. <laughs> you ain't putting your arm around my wife. Oh, but Phil, I was just going to sing while I danced with her. Never him. mind. You just sing. I'll dance with her. <laughs> Mon chéri, mon chéri, I adore you Mon amour, mon amour, I implore you Voulez-moi un peu baiser Which means give us a little kiss, please, Miss Faye Voulez-vous, voulez-vous This is what I want from you Voulez-vous, voulez-vous This is what I want from you Un baiser from your lips Even kiss my fingertips Fais l'amour I better run to my mama She has always taught me To beware of things like this But hugs and kisses thrill me Why miss all this bliss while I miss? Oh, voulez-vous, voulez-vous You know how much I love you Voulez-vous, voulez-vous Now I ask you, voulez-vous Je vous aime beaucoup Toujours, pour toujours, pour tout, tout l'amour. Voulez-vous, mon chéri, mon amour, c'est très grand doux. Voulez-vous, voulez-vous, c'est amour, je désire pour vous. On baiser from your lips, even kiss your fingertips. Et l'amour, ooh la la. Better run to your mama. Has always taught me Yes, to beware of things like these Oh, but hugs and kisses thrill me Why miss all this bliss while I miss So voulez-vous, voulez-vous You know how much I love you Voulez-vous, voulez-vous Now I ask you, voulez-vous Thank you. I enjoyed that very much. Don't mention it, George. You were very light on your nine and a half. <laughs> I was talking to Alice. Alice, this is just like old times. Oh, we used to have a lot of fun together. Ah, oh, we sure did. Say, uh, do you remember the day we went to Coney Island and rode on everything? Yes, yes. And do you remember the time we went to the zoo in Central Park and fed the animals? Oh, yes. Oh, but the time I'll never forget is the night you and I went moonlight canoeing. Well, I, I remember I, I put my arm around you and you looked up at me. George, and... don't tell them. Let that boy talk. 
What happened, Mr. Henderson? What happened? <laughs> Nothing happened. You know, George, I still have pictures in my album of that day at Coney Island. Would you like to see them? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, let's go in and look at them. You stay here, Phil. They wouldn't interest you. Come on, George. Wait a minute. I'm coming with curly, you. I'm not... Curly, Curly, don't. You can't go in there. Why not? The young folks want to be alone. <laughs> but Frankie, she's going to show him the album. They'll, they'll be sitting close together. Curly, don't get excited. The joke's on him. He'll never get to see the pictures. Why not? Alice just turned the light out. <laughs> now she's locking She is not What are you trying to do, Remley? I'm just preparing you for what might happen After all, this guy is younger than you and better looking I know, I know, I know So what if he is better looking? I'm more romantic than he is <laughs> I know it, Curly, but you gotta prove it to Alice and I know how you can do it. How? You and George have a kissing contest with Alice. <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> you each take turns kissing Alice and see who's the best. Both and I lose. <laughs> you can't. Just to help you out, I'll get in on it too. <laughs> One of us is bound to beat him <laughs> I'll do it on one condition hmm? You gotta add your score to mine <laughs> Come on, we'll go in and challenge you Wait a minute There ain't gonna be no kissing contest With my wife as the target Where is your competitive spirit? <laughs> Remley, this is serious For the first time I realize I might lose, Alice Well, so what? You still have me <laughs> I still have sinus trouble, too <laughs> help any. Don't you realize, Remley? Why, if I ever lost Alice, I don't know what I'd do. She does everything for me, and she means so much to Oh, Remley, I can't go with Anybody you. home? I brought the crown. I just couldn't bear to see it. Well, if it ain't the little white cloud that's fried. <laughs> What's the matter with you, Mr. Harris? Oh, Julius, I'm in a terrible spot. I'm afraid I've lost my most valuable possession, the thing that means more to me than anything else in the world. Don't take it so hard. You can always get another corkscrew. <laughs> Julius, don't jest with Mr. Harris. He's reached a crisis in his life. That's right, kid. My wife may leave me tomorrow. Why? Well, there's another man. I don't the... mean that. Why is she gonna wait till tomorrow? <laughs> I think I'll ignore that <laughs> I can't understand it, Remley No woman had ever left me before Maybe you've lost your appeal, Curly Rubbish <laughs> It isn't pot. Hey, Julius, I want to ask your honest opinion Do you think I'm attractive to the opposite sex? The opposite sex or what? <laughs> Look, 
If Alice prefers George to you, there's nothing you can do yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess you're right. Might as well give up. What kind of a man are you? You gotta fight for the woman you love. Show her that you're a better man than he is. Yeah, yeah. And I know exactly how I can do it. I'm gonna beat him by using my brain. Why pick your weakest weapon? <laughs> By physical prowess All you gotta do Is prove you're A better athlete Show him up Yeah and I'm just The guy who can do it I'll show him up Right in front of Alice I'll show him I'm a better man Than he is Watch me Get set Curly Here they come Oh, oh the pictures Were wonderful Alice They certainly Brought back a lot Harris What are you doing Standing on my hands <laughs> Let's see you do it Oh Phil Stop being ridiculous Stand on your feet All right All right Fellas, you can let go of my ankles now. Right. <laughs> Harris, Alice invited me to dinner. I'd like to wash up before. Uh, but what are you doing now? Touching my toes with my tongue. <laughs> Let's see you do it. Look, all I want to do is get washed. Uh, where's the bathroom? I'll show you where it is. Oh, thanks. I'll start you even and race you there and back. <laughs> Look, I don't want to race. Get down on your hands and knees. <laughs> all right. I think it's stupid, but if it's the only way I can get to the bathroom, I'll do it. <laughs> Come on, get down on your hands and knees. Get on your mark, get set, go! <laughs> well, Harris... Now that I raced you, I hope you... Uh, well, where is Harris? He's still on his hands and knees. <laughs> he ain't been able to get up yet. Well, it ain't my fault. The kids left some chewing gum on the rug and my knee got stuck to it. <laughs> I'm not at my best on land anyway. <laughs> you just come on out in the swimming pool. We'll dive in and race four lengths. But I don't want to swim. No, afraid, huh? Well, you're going to swim whether you like it or not. Come on. Well, well, Harris, now that I beat you, are you satisfied that... that... Oh, where is he now? I don't know. <laughs> he dove in. That's the last we saw. <laughs> been down there five minutes now. What do you think we ought to do? Let's wait ten more minutes, and if you don't show up, we'll go in and have dinner. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, he beat me at this too, huh? Yeah, but we ain't giving up. We'll get him this time. Come on out of the pool and put these boxing gloves on. Boxing gloves, that's it. I'll knock his brains out. All right, Henderson, put on them gloves. Let's get started. But, Harris, I don't want to fight. Don't I... stall. Put the gloves on. Let's go. Well, Harris, are you satisfied now? Can I go in and... Shh, shh, shh. Don't disturb him. He's still unconscious. <laughs> oh, oh. What hit me? I hurt so... Ooh. What's this big lump under my ear? Your nose. <laughs> well, Alice, 
Alice, honey, I guess I'm not much good. So if you want to leave me for George, go ahead. No, no. You need me, Clyde. <laughs> Come on upstairs and I'll put you to bed. All right, honey. Then you don't prefer George to me? No, of course not. No, Alice, you're a wonderful wife. You're the best wife a guy ever had. I don't know what I'd do without you. And darling... If I'm too heavy for you, you can put me down. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. This is the season for portable radios, the season to enjoy them at the beach, at the ballpark, or out at the picnic ground. So make sure now your portable is in top condition for summer listening. Have it checked by your local radio dealer or serviceman. He's an expert and knows portables best. And he knows the radio batteries that give the best performance. That's why he features RCA radio batteries. The batteries that are radio engineered for extra listening hours. So no matter what make of portable radio you own, have it inspected now by your local radio dealer serviceman. And if it needs new batteries, remember... There are RCA batteries to fit your portable, regardless of make. Buy them from your local radio dealer. And this summer, enjoy extra hours of portable listening pleasure. This is Phil again. In the flood areas of our country, remember that it is your Red Cross which has set up shelters for the homeless and is providing food and clothing and medical care. So ask yourself, where would flood victims turn if there were no Red Cross? When you think of that, you'll want to contribute whatever you can to the present emergency. Please help if you're able to do so. Thank you very much, and good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. This program is produced and transcribed by Paul Phillips. Remember, whether you're buying a television set, a radio, a Victrola phonograph, or record, put your faith in the cornerstone of American home entertainment for three generations. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in television. Next, Theater Guild on the Air stars Madeline Carroll over NBC. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1941-1942 season. This episode, uh, one of the focuses of the episode is that they are in the new, the brand new NBC studios that were just built at this point in time. And we get a little tour of the NBC studios uh, done by Ed Beloyne as Abercrombie. Uh, with um, Bill Morrow uh, playing a character, I think, Frank. Um, the, of course, Ed Boulogne and Bill Morrow are the writers for the Jack Benny show at this point in time. And I don't think we have too many episodes left with these two. Uh, they they um, end up uh, breaking up because... Uh, one of them ends up going off into the service, and the other one uh, wants to pursue um, some movies and things to, to write. Uh, Bill Morrow ends up over on um, uh, 
the Bing Crosby show, which uh, if you listen at the end of the Bing Crosby show, it always mentions writer Bill Morrow. And so uh, it's always fun when Jack Benny comes to visit because Bill really knows how to write for Jack Benny quite effectively. Um, and so that's, that's always a neat thing. Anyway, um, mentioning, uh, I mentioned a couple things from Tuesday's show. <laughs> this is, uh, now I'm recording this on Tuesday. I just released that show. And I haven't gotten any comments back yet, but I would assume that I'm going to get some comments. So I'm going to proactively, uh, though on your end, uh, it will seem like I'm reactive, but <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, the, I was talking about the longest laugh, and somehow or other, I left out probably the longest laugh, or certainly a contender for the longest laugh, which is when, um, the, uh, I think she's an opera singer, comes on and talks to Dawn, and they're having a discussion about opera, and it's one of the longest setups for a joke that I can remember. It's probably close to a minute or more um, that they do this setup about just talking about um, opera and uh, the intricacies of it and using some of the lingo from, from opera and so forth. And then Jack comes in and says, well, you know what I think, or something like that. And Mary immediately comes in and says, oh, shut up. And so, and that gets one of the biggest laughs in Jack Benny history. Now, a piece of that, I think, is that, of course, Mary being being married to Jack, it makes it funnier than when she cuts him off and says, shut up. It's one of those things that you can see a wife doing. Uh, and, of course, the character's not married to him, but, we, but everybody in the audience pretty much knows that they're married. Um, the other thing is that it's such a short, like a little staccato payoff to this huge long setup. So there's a giant setup and the payoff is just shut up. <laughs> so so uh, uh, I think that would help to even propel it further and makes it stick in my memory too. So, so that's another one of the longest laughs. I think that might be the longest ever really. I think that might be like 38 seconds or something like that. Anyway, um, I just wanted to mention that because I'm sure people will be mentioning that in emails to me that I forgot that one. Uh, the other thing that comes up for Tuesday's show is there's lots of jokes about Fred Allen that I'm thinking a lot of people might not get. Um, at this point in 19, on the Tuesday night shows, we're playing that it's from 1947. Uh, the week previous to that, when Fred Allen came out and did his show, he, uh, I believe, I'm trying to connect this all together, this could be... I could be wrong here, but he, well, he definitely said something that got him cut off the air, he, uh, and they just put on dead space for a while, and it might have been like 10 seconds or 30 seconds or something like that that they just, <laughs> the, the network just decided, oh, we're just, we're not, we're not going to play that, so they'll, they'll just cut it out, and so they did, and so Jack does a lot of jokes about dead space. And, uh, and so that's where that all comes from. Now, the, the part that got cut out of Fred's show, I believe, was him making fun of the network, um, 
president, vice president, some of the upper executives in the network. Um, and I assume that's where Jack's getting his joke about that um, Fred Allen is now vice president. They made Fred Allen vice president. So um, anyway, there's something about that. So I just thought it would mention that because the episode parts of that episode on Tuesday don't make a whole lot of sense unless you kind of know the background that Fred Allen was kicked off the air for a time um, during his show the week pri- prior to that. Uh, let's see, where else am I going for tonight? Um, I guess the, I already talked about uh, Ed Boloin and Bill Morrow and stuff, so enjoy tonight's episode, great episode of the Jack Benny Show, and uh, keep joining us, I, and keep sending your comments. I love all the comments and all the uh, everything that everyone sends my way, so we will see you next time. The Jello Program, coming to you from the new NBC studios in San Francisco, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens a program with We Did It Before. Before played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, we are assembled here today to dedicate the new NBC building in San Francisco. Yes, sir. So it is only fitting and proper on this momentous occasion that we bring you a man who was also present when Robert Fulton dedicated the first steamboat, <laughs> Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Jello again. This is Jack Benny talking through a brand new microphone. And Don, I'm in too good a mood today. Pardon me, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mac. Hello, Mac. Testing. Testing. (laughs) Testing. Okay, go ahead. Um, Jello again, this is Jack Benny talking And Don, I'm in too good a mood today Uh, Pardon me, Mr. Wilson Hello, Mac Hello, Mac (laughs) Testing Testing Okay, go ahead Uh, Jello again, this is Jack Benny talking and Don, I'm in too good a mood today. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. <laughs> Hello, Steve. Wait a minute. What happened to Mac? He just got drafted. <laughs> oh, I was wondering. 
Anyway, Don, I am really in a marvelous mood today. Here we are in this beautiful building, and it sure is a thrill being here for the opening of these new studios, isn't it? Yes, Jack, I've never seen such a gorgeous layout. The yes. surroundings are so luxurious, oh. and the page boys and ushers have such swanky uniforms. You think the page boys are swanky? Don, you know that apple machine they've got backstage? Yes. Well, I got an apple out of it just now, and the worm was wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> I didn't mind that so much, but he looked me straight in the eye and said, you better be good tonight, buddy. <laughs> There's a worm I hate. So fresh. And, and another thing, Jack, I've never seen such courteous and obliging staff. Well, the service is simply wonderful. Service is right. Don, have you, uh, have you noticed the beautiful elevator operators they have here? Oh, I sure have. Well... Talk about service. I stepped into the elevator a little while ago, and the girl said to me, up, down, or shall we next? <laughs> I took up like a darn fool. <laughs> Imagine, huh? But seriously, Jack, this building represents the last word in scientific advancement. It certainly does. It's a testimonial to the ingenuity of 20th century communications. That's right. It's a tribute to modern engineering and a milestone in the progress of radio. Yes, Don. And in a couple of hours, Fred Allen will be on the air and prove that all this was in vain. <laughs> you know, Don, Allen's program is the only major Bose unit I ever saw that never went anyplace. <laughs> but getting back to the dedication of this building, I think that... Uh, Right this way, folks. Follow me, everybody. This is Studio A. Mm. A sightseeing tour right in the middle of the program. Now, folks, let me call your attention to this beautiful auditorium. Note the apple green walls, the vivid orange drapes, and the big blue eyes of our master of ceremonies. <laughs> now, listen, buddy. We're right in the middle of a broadcast. Quiet, please. <laughs> This room can seat 325 people, or 650 if they want to cuddle. Now look, buddy. Are there any questions, please? Uh, yes, what time does the bus leave for Petaluma? Mary, come here, will you? <laughs> now stick around, we're on the air. Okay, see you later, Abercrombie. Now follow me, folks, and we'll proceed to Studio B. If you get lonesome, Mary, I'll be down the hall. <laughs> Mary, what's the idea of following that guide around on a sightseeing tour? I dropped my handkerchief, and, and he, he won't, won't give, give it, it back, back to me. me. I know. <laughs> oh. You know, Jack, I went all through the building, and it sure is gorgeous. Ah, <laughs> you're telling me. Yes, uh, Mary, Jack was remarking about the beautiful girls that run the elevators. You think they're something? You ought to see the cute fellow that runs a freight elevator. He looks just like Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero? Yeah. When I got on, he said, up, down, or shall we rumba? <laughs> well, that is service. How'd you happen to come up on the freight elevator anyway? I got a hot tip from a girlfriend of mine. <laughs> oh, I'll have to ride down with that guy. I want to brush up on my Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> of course, NBC is so... <laughs> NBC is so commercial, he'll probably charge me 10 cents a dance, you know. What do you mean, commercial? NBC is paying all of our expenses while we're here in San Francisco. They are? 
Yes. They're paying for all our food, taxis, and entertainment. They are? <laughs> and they're even paying our hotel bills. Well, that settles it. I'm going to get a room tonight. <laughs> Mary, Mary, are, are you sure NBC is paying for our food, too? Of course. Well, why don't somebody tell me these things? I've, I've been here two days. How do I know how much food I've had? Very simple. Just take the sandwiches you brought up from Los Angeles and subtract the ones you didn't eat. Mary, I only packed a couple of sandwiches, and I ate them on the train. It's a long trip, and I got hungry. Well, if you were hungry, why didn't you eat in the diner? The diner? Yeah, you ought to go in one sometime. They got tables and waiters and everything. I know, I know. Where do you think I get my toothpicks on the train? <laughs> I wish I'd have known about NBC paying our expenses, though. You know, in the first place... Right this way, folks! Follow me, everybody! This is Studio A! Hmm, this is getting to be uh, awesome. Folks, let me call your attention to this beautiful auditorium. Note the apple green walls, the vivid orange drapes, and the old gray wig on our master of <laughs> Now, just a minute, buddy. Buddy's my brother. I'm Abercrombie. I don't care who you are. I don't want you interrupting in the middle of a broadcast. Quiet, please. There are 300 people now seated in the studio, folks. 25 walked out since I was here last. That's a lie. Now, beat it, will you? Are there any questions, please? Yes, when do we get to Chinatown? Oh, Dennis. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Benny. That terrific applause you just heard, folks, is breaking Benny's heart. Oh, get out of here, will you? Fresh guy. Say, Mr. Benny, I was out in front of the building just now, and you know that... Big... Oh, hello. Hello, Dennis. Uh, having a good time up here? Swell, but I'm a little lonely. Lonely? Uh, that's too bad. Say, Mr. Benny, I was out in front of the building just now, and you know that big... What are you, uh... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What, uh... What do you mean, Lonely? Didn't you call that telephone number I gave you? Yeah, but a girl answered, so I hung up. <laughs> you, you hung up? I like to play hard to get. Well, that makes sense, but only to you. Say, Mr. Benny, I was out in front of the building just now, and you know that big mural they got there? That's got all different colors? Yes. Well, the booklet says it's got 1,752,000... 812 individual pieces of tile in it. That's a lie. How do you know? I counted them. You counted them? I never saw anyone so suspicious. Well, it's your own fault, Jack. Dennis wasn't the least bit cynical till he came to work for you. What do you mean? Every payday, you make him guess which walnut shell his salary's under. <laughs> Well, certainly, I just make a game out of it. I hope I win pretty soon. I gotta have a toothpick. <laughs> oh, has a tooth been bothering you, Dennis? Let's have a look at it. You can't fix it here. Wait till after the program. I wasn't fixing. I was looking. Oh, Jenny, dear. Well, Dennis... <laughs> Dennis... <laughs> 
Oh, we're nuts. It's the end of the season, you know. Uh, Dennis, I think, uh, I think we're about ready for a musical salute to this new building, so let's have your number. Okay. Wait a minute. I better test that new microphone before you sing, see if it's all right. Hello, Mac. Hello, Steve. <laughs> testing. Testing. Hello, Mac. Hello, Steve. Hello, Dirk. <laughs> well, it's working all right. Go ahead, sing, kid. Dennis Day. And just think, Dennis, that's the first song to, en to emanate. <laughs> Bad word a monkey with there, too. And just think, Dennis, that's the first song to emanate from this new building. Huh? Emanate? That's a hot one. <laughs> what? What do you mean, that's a hot one? How that got by the censors, I'll never know. <laughs> what are you talking about? I've been around. I've been around. Oh, be quiet. No use postponing it. I got to have a talk with that kid. And now, folks, in the first right this way, folks. Follow me, everybody. This is Studio A. Well, here we go again. Folks, let me call your attention to the apple green walls, the vivid orange drapes, and the pink elephants skipping about in the orchestra. 
Now, buddy, for the last time... Quiet, please. Oh, well, any questions, please? Yes, where's Phil Harris, my favorite band leader? <laughs> All right, Maestro, come over here. What a reception. Thank heavens I'm not egotistical. <laughs> now, we had a rehearsal on that word egotistical, you know? Not Come on, much. Phil, we're waiting for you. He's got a program to do, now beat it. Okay, follow me, folks. Nothing's gonna happen here anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna report that guy. Well, well, expectant. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a father in a couple of days, you know? Well, I've been trying to get hold of you all day. Where are you stopping? Well, Frankie, my guitar player, and me checked in at the Fairmont. We got the bridal suite. <laughs> the bridal suite, eh? How do you like it? Not so hot. Last night, Frankie married the chambermaid, and I had to sleep in the lobby. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that Frankie has finally settled down. <laughs> I, uh... I must send his bride some sort of a wedding present. Don't send her no mop. She's got eight of them already. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I'll send her a nice galvanized pail or something. I'll have it monogrammed. What's her name, Phil? I don't know. Hey, Frankie, what's her name? I don't know. Hey, Phil! Never mind. Forget it. I'll just send her a plain pail. <laughs> and incidentally, Phil, just because NBC is paying your expenses in San Francisco, you don't have to splurge on a suite. Gee, is NBC paying Mr. Harris's expenses up here? Yes, Dennis. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Are they paying mine, too? Yes, yes, Dennis. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Then let's you and I check out of that all-night movie. <laughs> Don't worry, Dennis. We're moving over to the Palace Hotel. Can we get a bridal suite, too? Well, yes, if the hotel is crowded. I wish I had my hope chest here. My silk pajamas are in it. <laughs> oh, sure. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as I started to announce, for our feature attraction this evening, the Benny Fisherman's Wharf isn't the only thing around here that smells, players. <laughs> will present an original drama in honor of this new NBC building. Now, it isn't common knowledge, but approximately 100 years ago, on the very spot where this great edifice now stands, there was a little gambling house and dance hall known as the Happy Hour Tea Room. Yes, sir. <laughs> the Happy Hour Tea Room? Well, how'd they get that name? A guy ordered tea there once, and the bouncer slapped him till he was happy. <laughs> So for our play this evening, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to reenact a scene that took place on this very spot over 90 years ago. Now, I will be the proprietor of the happy hour, that famous gambler, Jack Ace Hawkins. <laughs> You're going to be a gambler? Yeah, sure. Why not? You wouldn't bet $4 that Oakland Bridge goes to Oakland. <laughs> I'll take that bet, sister. <laughs> not a gambler, eh? Anyway, Mary, in our play, you're going to be Lulu Davenport, my sweetheart. Oh, fine. Who is madly in love with a handsome young bartender. Oh, fine. Hmm. 
Looks like. <laughs> the part, um, the part of the bartender will be played by Phil Harris. Phil, here's a book on how to mix drinks. Are you kidding? <laughs> Definitely. Now, Dennis, you're going to be an old prospector. You think you can do it? I'm starving, I tell you, starving. That was last week. <laughs> now, Don, Don Wilson. Yes, Jack. Don, we want some authentic San Francisco atmosphere, so you're going to play the part of Knob Hill. <laughs> Lay down. Or lie down, rather. I'm sorry, Morty. Lie down. And now, folks, this thrilling and nostalgic drama of yesteryear will go on immediately after. I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Oh, hello, Rochester. Where are you? I'm calling from Oakland, boss. I'm stopping with friends here. Well, it's about time you called. I've been trying to locate you for two days. I just ran across myself, myself. <laughs> What? What are you talking about? Well, you see, I was born in Oakland, boss. Uh-huh. And ever since I got here Friday, things have been delightfully out of focus. <laughs> I can imagine. Now, Rochester, you work for me, don't you? Yes, sir. In other words, your job is not to be in Oakland, but here in San Francisco at my hotel. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You're supposed to unpack my bags, press my clothes, and answer the phone. Now, what happened? First time the phone rang, it was for me. <laughs> well, listen, Rochester, you come over to my hotel immediately. We're leaving for Los Angeles tomorrow, and I don't want you to miss that train. That's why I called you, boss. Can I spend the week up here? You see, next Wednesday is my birthday. Next Wednesday is your birthday? Rochester, if I remember correctly, you celebrated your birthday about a month ago. I did? <laughs> yes, you did. Well, you can take my word for this, boss. I'm blushing. You better blush. And I'll watch you on that train tomorrow afternoon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? Does Miss Livingston need a new maid or something? A new maid? No, not that I know of. Okay, so long. I'll think of something, honey. <laughs> Rochester! Rochester, who are you talking to? Every time I take that guy somewhere, I can never find him. Play, Phil.
Don't sit under the apple tree played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. Phil, I want to congratulate you on the way the boys are all dressed up for this great occasion. Yeah, ain't they natty? Natty is right. They're all shaved. Every one of them. How'd that happen? One of the boys ran across a lady barber down the street. <laughs> I know there must have been an added attraction there somewhere. And now, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> You know, fellas, Jack used to go with a lady barber in Waukegan. Oh, forget it, would you? <laughs> they were even engaged to be married till a terrible thing happened. <laughs> Mary, I said forget it. No, no, no. What happened, Mary? One day she slapped a hot towel on Jack's face and then picked his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> the dirtiest trick I ever had played on me. And now, ladies and gentlemen, there I was in the chair never dreaming that, <laughs> that Christina was a crook. <laughs> But it looks like. And now, ladies and gentlemen, all right, so I pay for my haircuts now. Who cares? For our feature attraction this evening, we present a saga of the early days in San Francisco entitled Jack Ace Hawkins' Revenge, or he didn't mean to kill her, but he dooed it. Thanks, Red. Uh, take it, Mr. Uh... Take it, Mr. Wilson. The time, ladies and gentlemen, is April in the year of 1849. The scene, the office of Jack Ace Hawkins at the Happy Hour Gambling Emporium. Curtain music. I had enough of this. Take that. And that. Those gall darn flies annoy me. Shoo. Another killing. You're the meanest man in these parts, Jack Ace. <laughs> Just make that ace I'll feel more comfortable How's business tonight, Lulu? Pretty slow Someone poured molasses In the roulette wheel Doggone things Sure have been tough lately Come in Got some news for you, ace Got some news for you You have? Yep they just discovered gold at Sutter's Mill. Gold at Sutter's Mill? How do you know? I read it in Herb Kane's column. <laughs> that boy sure gets around. You hear that, Lulu? A gold rush. Come on, let's go out and mingle with the customers. And I'm going to make a fortune tonight. Or my name ain't Jack... Jack Ace Hawkins. <laughs> Doggone, I gotta change that name. <laughs> What a mob. <laughs> we lose more darn piano players. <laughs> Look at that crowd of prospectors. They all got gold. I'm going to trim the suckers, Lulu, and buy you an emerald as big as my fist. Well, make it a good one this time. The last one you bought me said seven up on us. <laughs> no worry. Hey, Curly, give me a drink, will you? Okay, Ace, what'll it be? Lemon phosphate. Put a Mickey in it to kill the teeth. <laughs> How's my business, Curly? How you doing? Fine. With this sticky beer on my fingers, I'm taking in more than you are. <laughs> you better watch yourself, Curly. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's a crook. Hey, uh, partner, how about a little service here? Well, it be, Slim. I'll have a dish of Jello with that new locked-in flavor. Jello? You want it straighter with sliced banana? Straight. <laughs> men were men in those days, folks. <laughs> 
Hey, stranger, I see you got a big bag of gold dust there. How'd you like to play a little stud poker with me? Oh, thanks. I'd rather dance with Lulu. Well, either way, we can't lose. Go ahead. Pardon me, mister. I'm looking for Ace Hawkins, the famous crook. That's Gambler. I'm Ace Hawkins. What can I do for you? Well, I just got in from Sutter's Mill and I'm loaded. <laughs> you know where I can double my money? I sure do, partner. Sit right down here at this table. I'll teach you how a little play a little game called high card. Okay, here, bartender. Hold me yo-yo. <laughs> Now, this is for $100. We both cut and a high card wins. Go ahead, what's your card? Seven of diamonds. Hmm. What's yours? Seven and a half of diamonds. <laughs> I win. Shall we try it again? Sure, that was a close one. Okay, this for another 100 Go ahead, take a card. What is it? Sally Kendall, Greystone, eight, 700 <laughs> How did that get in there? Take another one. Okay. What do you got? Holy smoke! Well, what is it? The zero of hearts. You win again. <laughs> That's 200. Now, I'll tell you what, stranger. Let's cut the card just once more for all the gold you got. What do you say? Okay, but I want to keep my yo-yo. <laughs> Fair enough. This time, I'll take a card first. Hmm, I've got the jack club. What's yours, stranger? Well, what's your card? There's something wrong here. I got an ace. An ace? Why, you're nothing but a low-down thieving chief. I'm a-taking your gold, stranger, and I'm a-taking it right now. Oh, no, you do. Watch out, partner. He's got a gun. Yes, and I'm going to use it. Now, give me that gold, stranger. Right this or way, I'll... folks. It's the studio A. This program came to you from San Francisco. This is the National Broadcasting Company. KFI Los Angeles, Earl C. Anthony Incorporated... 